All right, today I want to speak about empty vessels. What is it? Empty vessels. And it's about the story of Gideon. Has anyone here heard about Gideon? One person? Three people? Okay, a few people. Have you guys seen that movie 300? Who's, who's seen that movie? Okay, that one everyone has seen. I think it was pretty much inspired by Gideon's story because it's about the 300 warriors. Um, so what happened? They sinned. They took the people of Israel. How many of you have read the Bible? Have you read the, the Old Testament? Like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, yeah? Okay, who was the first person God used to deliver the people from, his, from the enemy? Moses, right? So, and then after Moses, who came? Joshua, right. And then after Joshua, who came? The Judges, right? So it's the book of Judges. And, um, and it's really interesting because they, they, like, they stopped worshiping God, the true God. They stopped, they started worshiping other gods, and they basically got away from God. Because of that, God sent, sent them the Midianites, and they dominated, like, the people of Israel. So basically, like, everything they would sow and that they would reap, the Midianites would come and take it. Um, they would take away everything, like every, every fruit. So they would have to hide everything. They would have to hide their food in order to eat. So it's basically like a communist government, right? Or a socialist government, which is like, what's the principle of that? Like everything that you, that you reap, everything that you work for, the government's going to take it, right? The government's just going to come and take it and tax you more. And so you don't see the fruit of your labor because it's basically like uh, no matter who works the most, everyone's going to get the same thing, right? And that's never worked. And I was reading a, a really cool book. It's called um, Secret Diaries of the Holocaust. Has anyone read it here? No? It's really, really good. And it was interesting because it's about a, a, Russian, a Russian girl that she kept a diary since she was six years old. So you might think, oh, it's about a Jewish person, but it's not. She was from Russia. Uh, her family was all Christian. They, they were like a really good family. They had like good properties and they were prosperous. But then they got like a communist government, which was Stalin. And basically, what did they do? They started taking people's properties. The first thing they do always is like remove God from everything. So they close all the churches. They take out all the Bibles. And you weren't even allowed to have a Bible. And um, her family was like very like into God, into Jesus. And they would, like, keep it a secret. You know, they would still worship Jesus in secret. And basically, uh, like, 
not only did, did they get this government, but they got Hitler as well, because it was World War II. So not only did they, did they get this super mean government, but they got another country invading them. And like she had to go through a lot of stuff. The first thing that happened basically is like, uh, her dad told him like, oh, you guys go ahead to the next city, small city, and I'll, I'll catch up later. So they went with her mom, and they were like a few days passed by, nothing had happened. And they went back to look for, for her dad. And basically the Germans had like attacked him, they tortured him, they took out his eyes, like it was super bad. And then they took him to the city where they were at. But the thing that she said that impacted her the most was her dad's attitude. He was like, oh, don't blame the Germans. They're just following orders and it's not their fault. So she was like, you know, she grew up with these principles about forgiving, about, you know, even going through all of these things, she was able to forgive. And, and then her dad passed away a few days later. And so she and her mom, they took them on, on a train to like uh, another country. It was in like a concentration camp, but it was a labor, a labor's camp, like where they had to work. But on her way, when they made a stop, like a Jewish girl basically gave her her baby. She's like, oh, take my Jewish baby because she will have more opportunity to live with you. So the mom, she took the baby and she's like, okay, I'm gonna take care of this baby. But obviously that was against the law. So they couldn't even, no one could say he was a, a Jewish baby. But when they got to the next stop, this lady who saw everything, she, she was like, oh, that's a Jewish baby. So basically like one of the German soldiers, they took the baby and they basically just killed her. And then she was marked as someone who tried to help a Jewish baby. And so they, after some years, they were just working in, in those camps. But she was marked as that person. And just a few months before the war was over, they took Nana's mom to a concentration camp. And basically she died like just as a Jewish person like totally burned and Nana was the only survivor in her family and then she was able to come to America she was about when all of that happened she was about 16 years old and you know she never got away from God she, she came to America and she started attending a, a Christian church and God basically like healed her he gave her a husband three kids and the kids all said, like, my mom never said, like, anything negative. My mom never complained. Um, she always taught us, like, these principles, forgiveness, loving people, even trusting people. So it was amazing because, you know, God was able to heal her. And all her kids only had, like, really good memories. And those were, like, everything in the whole story was in a secret diary that she kept. She only showed her husband after 45 years of marriage. She translated the, 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 the diaries that she had kept since she was six years old. She translated everything into English. 
And then she said, she told her husband, it's time for you to know everything. Here's my diaries. I don't want you to publish everything while I'm alive. So obviously it didn't. And she passed away in 2008. Now, it's a really good book if you guys want to read it. And it's got a really good message, right? Because sometimes we think, oh, we've been through so much. You know, my car broke down or I, I'm having issues at school. But if you read these stories and like imagine being the only survivor in your family, like no parents. She never saw her brother again. She had one brother, her cousins, her uncle, no one, her grandparents. It's like the only one left. You know, what would you do in that situation? A lot of people would be like depressed, they'd be like, but God gave her a new opportunity. God gave her the chance to leave a mark on people's lives, right? So this was impacting to me. And when you read Judges 6, 11 through 16, we, we read that they were going through something like this. We, we read that they were going through like really, really bad government, bad people oppressing them. So I'm gonna need two volunteers. Where's my two volunteers? One that would represent an angel and one that would represent Gideon. All right, Lore? They're here? Okay, come volunteers. Kevin? Quien más? Kike. Okay. So I'm just going to read and you guys are just going to act. Okay? Okay, you're going to be the angel. Angel. Okay. And you're going to be Gideon. All right. Okay? So, you know, after they were being oppressed, they were like, God, why? Suddenly this happened. Then you're going to be the angel, right? Just act. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. <laughs> the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Oh, my hero, the Lord is with you. Thank you. Sir, Gideon replied. Sir. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? If the Lord is with us, why what? <laughs> Where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But Where? now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel. Oh, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel. From the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can, but Lord. I, <laughs> how can I rescue Israel? 
My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Give it up for the actors. Inglés sin barreras. Okay, did you guys understand or no? Yes? Who understood the story? One person. Thank you, Sabrina. So what happened? The angel of the Lord appeared to her. Gideon. And what did he say? Mighty hero, right? Like mighty warrior. Another version says mighty warrior. And he's like, I'm going to use you. I'm going to send you to rescue the Israelites. But what was Gideon? He said, like, what? Say with me, what? Say what? <laughs> He's like, how can I rescue Israel if my clan is the weakest and I am the youngest in my entire family? And the Lord said, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites. So imagine, like, there's a different version that says my clan is the poorest, my clan is the weakest, and I'm the youngest. So he was the least, like, person to be used by God. You know, but how many of you know that God always chooses like the ordinary, like the, the one that you think, oh, what was that person going to do? So, you know what the word Gideon, the name Gideon means? It means powerful warrior. What does it mean? Powerful warrior. And imagine, he was the weakest of his clan, the poorest, the youngest, and his name means the opposite. And God, still God called him. And Matthew twenty-two fourteen says, for many are called, but few are chosen. How many of you can say that with me? Say, many are called, but few are chosen. So there's a big difference between being called and being chosen, right? A lot of people start being, by being called into the ministry. A lot of people start by being called and saying, oh, God's going to use you. But think about it. How many people went with you to, like, your first encounter? How many people started, like, sell with you? And then how many of those still remain, right? So that's where you can see, like, few are chosen. So the first thing that you need to know is, like, it depends on me to be chosen. What is it? It depends on me. So after God chose Gideon, he told him, now you're going to go do a calling. Now you're going to go call the Israelites. So Gideon went and he said, like, God's going to deliver us from the Midianites. Who wants to come and fight? That was the first calling he did. When he did that call, a hundred, I mean, 32,000 Israelites showed up. How many? 32,000 soldiers against 130,000 Midianites. It was like still a big difference, right? Like 32,000 against 130,000, right? But after that, Judges 
chapter 7 verse 2, it says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So Gideon, after the 32,000 showed up, he said, who's afraid? And it says, so 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So the first thing God says, like, whoever's afraid, go home. And how many people went home? 22,000. So they, they stayed with 10,000. There's still a big difference between 130,000 to 10,000, right? And after that, God said, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. All right, so God's, after, the, after he stayed with 10,000, God said, like, it's still too many. Still too many warriors. Divide the men into two groups. Whoever kneels down and basically licks the water with their tongue, that's who, whoever I'm choosing. And how many people did that? 300. Can you say with me? 300. So 300 warriors out of 30,000. So imagine 300 against 130,000. That's a, a big difference, isn't it? Right? So um, God demands everything from us in order to be chosen. Right? He only chose the people who were like, the most willing, who didn't leave their sword, who didn't leave their shield, who were like ready to fight and they just kneeled down and drank water with their mouths, right? Those were the 300 people God chose. And the Bible says in Matthew 19, 28, 29, it says, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. So basically in order to be chosen, God demands for us to give everything. Can you say everything? Say it loud. Say everything. So in order to be chosen, you must be able and must be willing to give up everything for Jesus. And this verse says it clearly. If, if you're willing to give your houses, your brothers, your sister, everything for God, then God will use you. That's, that was the difference. That was the difference between those 10,000 and the 300, the 300 were like, we're willing. We're going to give up everything for Jesus and we're ready to fight. We're going to give up everything for this calling, for this call and we're going to fight. And if you're willing to do that, then God's going to use you. The second thing is that he's going to free you from fear. You know, he's going to deliver you from fear. You're going to be free from fear. When you leave everything from Jesus... 
you're free from that fear. And, you know, when you read, he said, like, out of those 30,000, just, just ask people who's afraid. And 22,000 22, were afraid. They said, okay, we'd rather be home, you know, we'd rather just go home with our wives, watch, watch a movie, we don't have to fight, we don't have to do anything, we'd just be chilling here, right? So they were like, oh, we're not really ready for battle. But then 10,000 were ready, right, for the first time. And then God, God, after he stayed with the 300, he said, the three weapons that I'm going to choose, that I'm going to give the chosen ones are trumpets, empty vessels, and torches. So it's not, it's not like just regular weapons, but it was spiritual weapons, right? So I feel like those who are ready to fight, those who are ready to go into battle, God will equip you. God will give you those weapons in order to go fight. But you must be willing to give everything for the cause of Jesus. You must be willing to go the extra mile, you know. When your leader tells you, oh, come and intercede, you're going to be like, yeah, I'm the first one. You're part of those 300. Amen. You're not going to be like, oops, the alarm didn't sound, so sorry. I'm just, it wasn't from God for me to go pray, you know. Some people are always like trying to make excuses. But you're going to be like, ah, oh, I'm the first one there. I'm the first one in prayer. I'm the first one in cell. I'm the first one here in worship. I'm the first one. I'm always testifying. I'm always with my friends. I'm always willing to give and to go the extra mile, right? You're always taking notes during, during service, during your cell. You're the first one in your training and destiny training. And you're like, I'm ready. I'm that warrior, right? You don't, you're not part of like, your leader always has to be like, oh, come on, you know, but you're like, oh, leader, what do I have to do? Is everyone here like that? How many mighty warriors do we have here? Okay, let me give you, let me hear a big, big shout. When I counted three, you give a shout of a warrior, ready? One, two, three. It was all right. Still, we could do better, amen, because we're those warriors. And as I said, when the 300 were chosen, God gave them trumpets. Say with me, trumpets, empty vessels, and torches. And that's the third thing, is that we need to be empty vessels. What does that mean? Empty lives at the foot of the cross. One of the things that impacts me the most is Paul's life. When he met Jesus, what was he? He was like a teacher of the, of the law. He was persecuting Christians because he had so much knowledge. He was like, oh, all these teachings about Jesus, that's against the law. That's not what I know. That's different. So I'm going to persecute these people because they're, they're not doing what the law says, right? But what happened? Jesus had to meet him. Jesus had to confront him. He had to have an encounter with Jesus. And that's when he was like, Jesus said, like, you're going to be blind for three days. And you just have to empty yourself in those three days. And I'm going to reveal myself to you in those three days. And what happened during those three days? He had the revelation of the cross. 
you know, he was completely changed. He had an encounter with God. And after those three days, he was like, I'm just going to empty myself from all the knowledge that I have. And I'm going to allow God to fill me with his knowledge. And I'm going to allow God to fill me with what he wants. And that's when God started giving him so much revelation. And he started writing all, pretty much most of the books of the New Testament. It was by revelation that God gave it to him. Because he emptied himself. He was emptied at the foot of the cross. And that's what you need. You need to say, God, I want to empty myself at the foot of the cross. I want to have the revelation of the cross. And if you've never experienced the revelation of the cross, today we're going to cry out that we have that revelation. Until you have that revelation, you are going to be born again. If not, you can be here for years. You can come to church for years and never have a change in your nature. Because the only thing that can change you, the only thing that can truly give you that revelation of the cross, I mean that change and that true encounter is the revelation of the cross. I remember when one day when we were with my mom and she was just teaching us about John 17, 3, that it says that they will know you and your son Jesus Christ. And then she just started crying and crying and crying. And we were like, okay, what's going on, mom? And she couldn't even speak. You know, we just waited a few minutes. And we're like, okay, what happened? Just by reading that verse, she just started weeping. And then we're like, okay, mom, what happened? And then she's like, she, finally she was able to talk. And she said, like, I just had the revelation of the cross. And at that moment, it's like in a 12 meeting with just women. We all just started crying out, crying out for the revelation of the cross. And since that moment, I think we all were changed. We all were able, and we were just crying out, God, if we could just experience one single drop of what you lived. If we could just see one little thing of what you lived at the cross, we will be transformed. And then we just emptied ourselves at the cross. And that's why Paul was able to say, no longer I but Christ in me, right? Because he was able to experience the revelation of the cross. And if you read all the books that Paul wrote, it's all about the cross. It's all about the power of the cross. And in Revelation, it says, see the Lion of Judah, when it talks about Jesus. But Jesus wasn't like the greatest as a lion. He was the greatest, what? As a lamb. As the lamb. As the blood of the lamb. So... His victory, his greatest victory was as a lamb, more than as a lion. So in the greatest weakness, he was the strongest. It's the same with us. When, when I am weak, then I am strong. When you go to the cross and you say, God, I just leave everything at the cross. I know nothing, but you know everything. When you have that attitude, when you're able to humble yourself at the foot of the cross, then God can do something for you then God can transform you not before I remember when I went to my first encounter that's what I did even though I was a, a pastor's kid I had a you know a lot of knowledge I, I was in church every Sunday but until I went to that first encounter with the right attitude and I said God I empty myself from what I know from what my parents taught me I know nothing that's when God 
was able to manifest himself to me personally because it's a personal relationship. It's a personal encounter. No one can have that encounter for you. Your parents can't have that encounter with you. For you, your leader, it's got to be you. It's got to be you at the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. So today, we're going to be ready to be those empty vessels, just like Gideon. And you're going to be part of those chosen ones. Amen? Can you say, I'm part of the chosen ones? Say loud, louder, I'm part of the chosen one. And as the Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. The first thing is that it depends on you to be chosen. It depends on me to be chosen. God's going to free you from fear. He's going to make you free. He's going to deliver you from fear. And you're going to be able to say, I'm willing. I'm willing to be part of the army. I'm willing to be part of those warriors. And the third thing is that you're going to empty yourself. You're going to be an empty vessel at the foot of the cross. Amen. Amen. So let's all stand. Uh, let's just start crying out to Jesus for this. Say, Lord, today we come before you. Today we come before you, Jesus. And we just cry out for your presence, Lord. We just cry out for you to reveal yourself to us, Jesus. We know that we are nothing at the we are nothing. We have nothing, Jesus. And we just put everything at the foot of the cross. We put all of our knowledge. We put everything that we know, Jesus, at the foot of the cross. And just like Gideon, Lord, you're giving us a call right now. You're calling us mighty warriors. The Lord is with you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you like never before. And you might say, Lord, but who am I? I'm probably the least person to be used. What do I have? Maybe you're saying like Gideon, my clan is the poorest. My clan is the weakest. I am the youngest. I am the least qualified, Jesus. Choose someone else. Send someone else. But the Lord is calling you and he's saying, I am with you. You are the one. You are the one I want to choose. You are the one who's going to be called. You are the one who's going to deliver these people. And you're going to say, Lord, I believe that this is my time. I believe that this is my time. I choose. I choose to be used by you. This is my time, Jesus. Deliver me from fear. Deliver me from fear of rejection deliver me from fear Jesus and I empty myself at the cross I empty myself Lord so that you can be revealed to me Jesus